Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor, and to let you know, the monsoon has begun. It is raining out there, but I'm going to preach so long today, it'll be done, but <laughs> I'm going to keep you guys for here forever. Anyway, that's a joke. Uh, we are kicking off this brand new series called Decisions, Decisions. I'm excited about this. This is brand new stuff. We've never kind of covered these topics before. Let me kind of explain to you where we're going to be going for the next couple of weeks. Scripture has a lot to say about wisdom, a lot to say about making wise choices in our lives. And I would argue that when it comes to a wise person, I would say a wise person is somebody who recognizes that all of life is connected, okay? That we don't operate in this vacuum. And so what you do today, what you say today impacts really who and where you're going to be tomorrow. In other words, our life as you know it today really is the sum total of all the decisions we have made, which means our decisions matter. Okay? What we do, what we say, what we think, how we act, all of these things impact the direction and the quality of our lives. And so what I want to do for the next four weeks is I want to take a look at four very specific decisions that each of us will encounter at some point in this life. We're going to put these decisions under a microscope. We're going to examine them. We're going to find out what Scripture has to say about them. And then we have to decide, what are we going to do? So to kick off this first message, kind of kick off this first decision, I want to do a little bit of an exercise with you. I want you to use your imagination just for a little bit. And what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a world in which everyone likes you, okay? Your family, they all like you. Your in-laws, they all like you. Your coworkers, fellow students, other drivers on the road, everybody likes you. Then, in addition to that, I want you to imagine a world in which everybody approves of you, no matter what you do, okay? You just can't do wrong in their eyes. It's as though everybody has, like, grandparent glasses on, you know? Like, it's like my daughter could take a poop in the middle of the rug, and my dad would be like, it's a wonderful poop. Here's a dollar, okay? Like, you, everybody likes you. <laughs> everybody likes you. Everybody approves of everything that you are doing. And lastly, I also want you to imagine that everyone thinks you're awesome. They just, they love your clothes. They love your attitude. They love your haircut. Uh, like, I want you to imagine this just for a moment because this will never happen. <laughs> it's, never, it's never gonna happen. You can never please everybody. Now, I want you to also imagine being so focused on God, living in a world where you're so focused on, on pleasing God that none of this really matters as much anymore that you're so focused on doing what God has created you to do that you really no longer care about the opinions of others. Not only do I believe that can happen, but I actually believe that's how God wants us to live. Today what I want to do is I want to talk about the decision we have to choose purpose over popularity. What would it look like in your life to choose God's purpose for your life over pleasing other people? See, normally we do the opposite. Isn't that true? I think normally we choose popularity over purpose. Now maybe that's just human nature, but I think oftentimes we lean towards the approval of others. Why do we do that? Well, who's to say, but I, I think because many of us don't really know what the purpose is of our lives. And rather than going to the creator, we go to the created. We go to other people, right? I'm a person, you're a person. Am I doing this right? right? Do, do you like me now? Do, 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 like, do I fit in? Do you like my clothes? Do you like my car? Do I have the right handbag? Do I have the right haircut? Do I have worth? Here's the problem. 
when you're focused on what others think of you, you tend to forget what God thinks of you. When, when, you're, when you're trying to find out what your meaning is and your purpose is in what others think of you, you tend to forget that God has created you for a divine purpose. And when you live for the approval of others, you can absolutely miss out on God's purpose for your life. So my challenge for us today is to make the decision to choose God's purpose over popularity. A great example of a guy who did this is found in the Old Testament. His name is Moses. You might, you might know of Moses. Chances are you've heard of his name. Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but then he was quickly adopted into Egyptian royalty. Okay, he was born into poverty, but then he ended up living in the palace of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, if you will, with all the benefits that come with that. I mean, he had it all, had it all. But he chose calling over comfort. He chose purpose over popularity. Let me show you where we read this. It's going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. It was by faith, we read, that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. I want you to just think about this. He is the grandson, effectively the grandson of the most powerful man in Egypt. He has people waiting on him hand and foot. He's got women feeding him grapes, or so that seems like what they did back then. Okay, he's got a right? He's got gold bracelets all over the place looking like the guy from your middle school textbook, right? And yet he walked away from it all. He's like Megan and Harry, just not annoying. And when, like, I'm just thinking about this, he, think about what his friends must have said to him. I mean, honestly, he gives him, I'm like, you know, I'm going to leave the palace. I'm going to go with my fellow Jew. Okay, Moses, okay, your people are out there making bricks in the sun. You want to give all this up? Scripture says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He chose calling over comfort. He chose purpose over popular opinion. Now, I think it's important for me to stop just for a moment and talk to you about purpose because I'm going to use this word a lot today, and this word freaks people out. Okay? We've done messages on God's purpose for our life, and I get all kinds of emails and texts and phone calls and coffee appointments People are basically in a full-on panic, and they're all flustered, and they're worried because they don't know what God's plan is for their life. Here's where I think we get it wrong when it comes to purpose. I think we tend to think about what I'm going to call uppercase P purpose. Like, like Jesus' uppercase P purpose was to be the Messiah. That was his purpose. Moses' purpose was to lead the people out of Egypt. So what's my purpose? What am I here to do? We tend to immediately kind of think about that big, huge, massive, uppercase P purpose for our lives. But today, I want you to forget all about that. I want, I want you to forget about your uppercase P purpose. I don't really care about that. I, I'm not interested in deciphering what God's big plan is for your life. And to be honest with you, I don't think Scripture calls us to try to figure out what God's plan is for our life. What I want us to do today is I want us to focus on what I'm going to call our lowercase P purpose. Because we get so hyper-focused on the big thing that we forget about the first thing. We get so focused on what God has for us, like all the way out there on the horizon, that we miss out on what he's got for us right here. I want us to figure out how we can serve God's lowercase p purpose moment after moment, hour after hour, day after day. For example, maybe you're, you're talking with somebody. Maybe you're here at church, you're going to go, 
by the high tops, you're having a conversation with people, and you realize that your purpose in this moment is to encourage that person. Maybe you hear about a need in the community, right? And you realize, oh, I could meet that need. Your purpose is to be God's tool in that situation. As you begin to kind of tune into God's activity and movement in your life, you'll quickly realize that he's placed all sorts of lowercase p opportunities all around you. And what you'll find out is that when you're faithful with the lowercase moments, God will trust you with the uppercase moments. All of a sudden, you realize that he's using you in more significant ways. Let's call them, you know, medium P purposes, okay? And as you're faithful with those medium P purposes, you realize, wait a second, maybe I was created for this. There is power in recognizing that for this moment, for this reason, for this person, shall we say, in this season, I am called by God to make a difference. There's power and purpose. So what does God's purpose do in our lives? What does it look like in our lives? I have a couple of thoughts for us. Number one, I would say that purpose protects from distractions. I don't love this. I tried to workshop this a lot this week. This is as best as I could do. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. When you start to follow God's purpose in your life, when you seek to serve him, whatever capacity that looks like, even if that's volunteering at church, whatever, okay. when you try to be used in the situations that he's placed you in, what you're going to find is that all of a sudden, distractions start to appear. And, and these distractions, if you're not careful, can pull you away from God's will for your life. But purpose keeps you focused. Purpose blocks out all that noise. Purpose protects from distractions. Great example of this is found in the Old Testament again. A guy named Nehemiah. It's a great story. We've done a sermon series on him. I kind of want to do it again because it's so good. But Nehemiah, if you don't know his story, he was, as Scripture kind of paints this picture, he, he was heartbroken that the walls of his city, the protective walls of his city, had been destroyed. You could say that God placed a burden on his heart that these walls needed to be repaired. Side note. Anytime. Anytime you are burdened over an issue, anytime your heart breaks for something, that could be the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, this is your purpose. So Nehemiah takes up the challenge. He rallies the troops, so to speak. He gets his fellow Jews together to do the impossible, and they set out to rebuild this enormous wall. And that's when the distractions show up. So Nehemiah's working on this wall, and all of a sudden, a guy named Sanballat shows up. Nehemiah tells the story. Speaking of Sanballat, he made fun of the Jews. He said to his friends in the army of Samaria, what are these weak Jews doing? They think they can rebuild the wall. They can't bring stones back to life. These are piles of trash and ashes. And his buddy gets into the mix, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. In other words, you guys are ridiculous. This project is ridiculous. Give up. Well, these men are relentless. They, I mean, this goes on for chapters. They keep hounding Nehemiah. Give up. Come down off that wall. What are you doing with your life? Give up. Come down off that wall. Finally, one day, Nehemiah's had enough. And he looks down from atop that wall, and he says to them, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I love that. In other words, this project may look like a fool's errand to you. This might look small. My enthusiasm might look silly, but I will not be distracted by your opinions, by your criticism, or by your intimidations. 
I am fulfilling God's purpose for my life in this moment. I am doing what he's created me to do, and your voice will not distract me or stop me. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. It never fails. You see with Nehemiah, I've seen it in my own life. You've probably seen it as well. When you seek to obey God's purpose, the enemy will try to distract you. It was June 2015. And after several years of prayer and planning, we had just officially announced downtown Harbor Church. I had resigned from my job in January 2015. We had called Christina to come on board. May of, June, of 2015, Adam finally resigned. And in June 2015, we went live that we were starting this church that would kick off September. It was an exciting time. That same month, it's so interesting how these things coincide. That same month, my wife and I became friendly with um, a New York City finance CEO. Guy just sold his company, came down here because he sold his company. And it's kind of a similar story. He was beginning something new. He was creating this new wine company that was set to rival some of the top producers in Napa Valley. Now, I distinctly remember we were up in Boca. We were having dinner with this man and his wife. And I'm pitching the concept of DHC to him, okay? Now, mind you, he was not a Christian. He's actually Hindu. But, but I was there that night, and I'm, I'm, all we have is a vision, and I'm on fire, right? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to reach. People have been hurt by the local church. We're going to start something new. We're going to redefine the church. Okay, I was, I was like Don Draper. I was like on fire with this pitch. I mean, it was, it was a work of art. And when I was done, he looked at me. And I, I confirmed this with my wife because I wanted to make sure I had the details right. He looked at me, and he said, your passion and talent is going to waste. Don't waste your talent on this church concept. It's too small a thing. That was a distraction. Then came the temptation. He then offered me a job. And he's one of these guys who it's very hard to say, okay? He says, I want you to be the spokesperson for this wine company. I want to fly you around the country, and I want you to host dinners with investors. He saw how I could pitch DHC. He wanted me to do that for his company. I want you to create parties for our exclusive clients. You, you're going to be rubbing elbows with some of the most powerful people in this country. And when he was done, I said, I said his name, and I go, okay, that's an incredible offer, and that is very tempting. And I understand that, that you will never understand what I'm about to say, but I can't do that because I am called to do this church. In other words, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. What does this look like for you? Maybe you are somebody who feels led by God to get out of debt because your finances in order, and now it's like people are making fun of you. It, it, you know, why do you bring your lunch to work? We go out for lunch. What are you doing? Why, why are you driving this jalopy around? And it's like, you know what? I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Maybe you're, you decided that you were going to wait until marriage. But every time you go out in the town with your friends and the drinks start flowing, it's the same thing. You know, you're making it harder for yourself. You should just sleep with them. I got a higher calling. I I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Maybe you feel led to be a stay-at-home parent, and, 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 and all you hear is, is, and maybe you've been saying it to yourself, right? You're wasting your talent. You're wasting your education. You could be out there making so much money. Listen to me. Purpose protects from distraction. I am doing a great work. I'm doing something special. Okay, it might look small in your eyes, 
You may not understand it, but right now I am right in the middle of where God has called me to be. I'm not living for the approval of others. I'm living for the purposes of God. Purpose protects from distractions. Second thing purpose does. Purpose pushes you through the pain. What becomes clear in Scripture is that when you follow God's purpose, there's going to be some pain along the way. It's just, we see that in the life of Moses. You see it in David's life. You certainly see it in Jesus' life. When you follow God's purpose, the enemy is going to try to inflict some pain on you. But purpose pushes you through that pain. Whenever you have that purpose in your life, it gives you the motivation to keep going even when it hurts. Let's go back to 2015. DHC is, is now in its infancy. The enemy has already tried to distract me by having non-Christians tell me that I was wasting my talent. Now he's going to try to hurt me. Now I had Christians telling us that we would fail. See, here's the thing. When you follow after God, we, we sort of naively think that people are going to be excited for you, that they're going to be happy for you, that they're going to be encouraging. And we did experience that. We did. But I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you, and this pains me to say this, there were many Christians who wanted to see this church fail. Even worse, there were Christian leaders who looked at us right in the eyes across the dinner table and said, DHC will fail in one year. That was painful to hear. But when you are following God's purpose for your life, it motivates you to push through that kind of pain, to let it just roll off your shoulder, keep pressing ahead, and thank God we are still here today. Healthy, vibrant, growing, two new hires, people saying yes to volunteering, lives are still being changed, and God is still being glorified. So thank God for that. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians, I receive joy when people talk against me and make it hard for me and try to hurt me and make trouble for me. I receive joy when all these things come to me because of Christ. In other words, Paul's like, purpose does not only push me through pain, it actually reframes the way that I think about it. I'm going to rejoice when things get hard. I'm going to rejoice when people say that I'm going to fail. Why? That's a confirmation to me. That's a confirmation that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. The fact that I'm being met with resistance tells me that I am exactly where God wants me to be. The truth is, folks, people will take shots at you when you're trying to serve God. It's going to happen. Every now and then, it's going to cost you something. But when you recognize, hey, I'm doing what God's called me to do in this moment, then the opposition is not going to deter you. And that pain won't slow you because I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Lastly, purpose empowers you to please God. So one day, Peter and John, disciples of Jesus, they are preaching to a large group of people, and thousands, it says, are starting to come to faith in Christ. Well, the Jewish leaders, they get wind of this, and they're not happy. They thought that they had nipped this whole Jesus movement in the bud by crucifying him, but now they got his disciples who are preaching in his name, and to be honest, the movement is actually growing ex exponentially faster now that Jesus is no longer here. And so they haul Peter and John into court. Take a look at what we read in Acts. It says, so they called for them, the disciples, and ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing 2,000 years later, nothing has changed? I mean, you can talk about God all you want, higher being, you know, higher power, spirituality, the universe, 
But when you mention the name of Jesus, people lose their minds. It's because there's power in that name. And so the Jewish leaders wanted to stop that. And I love the disciples' response. We cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. In other words, when you have been transformed as we have been transformed, when you've been forgiven as we have been forgiven, when you've seen what we've seen, there is no one who can stop us from speaking in the name of Jesus. We must obey God instead of people. We obey God, not people. We seek the approval of God, not the approval of people. Why? Because you can't please everyone. Talked about this in the top of the service. You can't please everybody, but we certainly try, don't we? You like the car that I drive? You like the clothes that I wear? You like the vacations that I go on? Hey, did you like the picture that I posted on Instagram? Did you think it was cool that I said no caption needed, even though that's technically a caption? Right? Li living, drives me nuts, living to please, sorry, living to please others. Is a f and, and we all do this, okay? Living to please others is a futile exercise. It's a sad way of going through life. And what's worse is that it can keep you from the purposes of God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. How can you please God? Whenever you live by faith, you please God. Whenever you are faithful in the small things, you please God. Whenever you die to yourself and you let Christ live through you, you please God. When you finally recognize the truth of this statement, it will be one of the most freeing moments of your life. All of a sudden, you are set free from the opinions of others because you've been called to live according to God's purpose. Let me wrap up by going back to Moses for just a second. Remember what we read in Hebrews. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Listen. There is value in being liked by people. There is. There is value in being liked by people. But there's greater value in being loved by the Lord. There is value in our comfort, but there is greater value in God's calling. There is value in being popular, but there is greater value in serving God's purpose. The decisions you make today determine who and where you'll be tomorrow. So you got a decision to make over and over and over again, hourly, daily, weekly, yearly. Will you live for the approval of others? Or will you live for the approval and purposes of God? What's practical? What do you do with a message like this? Every single week, it's your first time here, we put this word on the screen. Want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Last week, um, the church world, if you will, lost a giant in ministry, Dr. Charles Stanley. Now, for those of you who don't know who Dr. Charles Stanley is, he was a tremendous pastor up in Atlanta, Georgia. Influential teacher, prolific author. You, you'd see him on TV and radio, wonderful guy. I've personally been blessed by his teachings. His son, Andy, is a famous pastor. We've really learned a lot from his as well. So in honor of Dr. Charles Stanley, I want to borrow one of his famous sayings. It was one of, almost like a life motto that he always taught to help us practically apply today's lessons. He would often say, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. 
See, when God calls you to do something, whatever it is, when he challenges you to make a change in your life, whatever that looks like, to live differently, to do something that's outside of your comfort zone, we tend to first think about all the consequences. Isn't it true? Well, what, are, what are people going to say? What's my family going to say? How, if, I mean, if I obey God, how is this going to impact my life? What will I have to sacrifice? What am I going to miss out on? Listen, do you believe that God knows what's best for you? Do you believe that God knows what you need better than you know what you need? Do you trust him? And when I say do you trust him, I don't just mean with your soul, because I'm going to be honest with you. Trusting God with your soul, I could argue, is easy. Because you can't see your soul. You can't touch your soul. Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust him with your tomorrow? Listen, if God has put something on your heart, whatever that is, obey God. And leave the consequences up to him. Because when you are firmly planted in the will of God and his purposes, there is no safer place to be. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, according to Scripture, we know that you have a grand plan for our life. You are writing a larger story. But you've asked us to focus on the small details, those lowercase p purposes in our lives. And I pray that every single person here would have their eyes opened to what you are doing right in front of us. Whatever you've called us to do, these small things, Lord, give us the faith to say yes, to do it regardless of the consequences. We leave them in your hands. doesn't matter what people are going to say. doesn't matter how they're going to react, Lord. When we are serving you, we are right where we are supposed to be. Give us the courage to trust you, to live for you, to follow your purpose. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Precious name.